When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Game Over Ottawa. Um, I am joined by the wonderful Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News, who uh, looks like your your camera's off right now, buddy. Oh. I don't know if that's uh, on purpose or... Oh, there's there the... Uh, it, made, oh. it made for a big reveal, man. It made for a really big reveal. I love that. Um, yeah, how, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Uh, good Ottawa Senators game. To be honest, I don't think either of us expected this big a win, but uh, no, it was a good time. No, not at all. Um, so, uh, just to right off the top of the show, everyone, Sens beat the New York Rangers 6-2. to two, And uh, it's tradition around here. Uh, Tony, I don't imagine you've watched too many uh, Game Over Ottawa episodes this season. There hasn't been a whole lot uh, to watch us break down, but I have a button. I have the Sens button, so I'm just going to hit that. Um, the New York Rangers just got sensed. Anyway, uh, really big game. Um, definitely a lot of things to go over, but just a qu- few quick notes to start out. Um, Brady Kachuk now has 13 goals, only one game with a single goal so far. 12 of those goals have come in six games. He doesn't, he just doesn't know how to score goals other than two goal games. For some reason, he just... I don't know what it is about him. That's just a weird stat. I don't think there's anything to it. I just like it. I think it's silly. Um, and just one more important note that at uh, Ridley Gregg's first game, uh, back off of uh, injured reserve. So nice to see him back. Didn't play a whole lot. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you want to go about breaking down the game whenever you enjoy more, whether it's just kind of going through it piece by piece or if there's anything specific that really stood out to you that you want to start with. Yeah, let's start off at the beginning with uh, Brady Kachuk kind of starting things off, doing what captains do, and and just mucking it up in front of the net as he always does. Yeah, um, yeah, that's he, that's where he lives, right? Um, always in front of the net, ready for a tip. Um, point shot from Zub. Actually, both of the Kachuk goals from uh, Zub shots. That one being the tip, and then a second goal, obviously being the. We'll, we'll call it. Uh, six feet wide off the board shot from Zub on purpose. I think yeah. we'll we'll go with that. We'll go we'll go with that. Um yeah, Brady Kachuk just parking himself in front of the net. Um honestly like not that he's ever looked bad necessarily this season, but just looked like he came into this game with a completely different attitude, just was ready to light every Rangers player on fire if that's what it took. Um really impressed i mean obviously an impressive game from everybody but but brady specifically was i i i'm surprised he didn't fight i thought i thought we were yeah. maybe in for a kachuk truba rematch from uh from last season where the two of them uh fought but yeah, yeah. Uh, really really it, impressive it was a fun one from kachuk because he had the maintenance day this week at practice mr mr practice and everyone kind of was a little questionable about it, wondering what was going on. But I mean, heck, heck leave this guy to practice a couple times a week if you need to. If he's going to come back and play like yeah. this, the way he was battling in front of that, I think there was one time where he basically got flipped over by by a defenseman. Just gets right back up and right back in the mess. That's what he does, though. That's that's always been Brady Kachuk's game. He's a high volume shot guy because of it, and he gets a ton of shots on net. And 
I mean, he scores two goals from, like you said, that that same area. The Zub shooting wide on the second one. The Zub, the Zub tipping on the first one. It, it's just what Brady Kachuk does. This guy gets a ton of shots because of it. And I mean, that's that's kind of the the captain. What the captain does in this team. I think Ottawa's always wanted a guy that will go into the battle and drag the team with him. And and he did exactly that tonight. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about Kachuk. Obviously, being a guy with a ton of shots. And I think tonight. Finished the night with eight shots, which I believe they mentioned on the broadcast <laughs> tied for a franchise record. Um, nuts. Like, if, if, if even if he doesn't, even if he hadn't become this point per game player, he's still going to be the only guy who comes anywhere close to 300 hits and shots in the season. Pretty unbelievable. Makes you wonder how long that can hold up. But, you know, while, while it's working, keep keep it going, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's just the thing, right? You always wonder about these guys that are super, super physical and offensive guys. Can he lean towards that offense later in his career when the physicality isn't quite holding up as much? Or or is he going to start getting injuries? Thankfully, Brady Kachuk's only in his mid-20s right now. We've got a, a little while to not worry about that and, and just yeah. enjoy the madness that is Brady Kachuk. Love it. Um, Yeah, that obviously, so the lines were switched around a little bit. Uh, heading into this one, that top line now of uh, Kachuk, Norris, and Giroux looked phenomenal all night. Um, also worth noting, probably because, I mean, they were on the ice with this top line a lot, but that Zub-Branstrom pair, surprisingly phenomenal. And I, I don't know if it's that surprising that Branstrom looks as good as he did this game when he doesn't have to deal with Travis Hamnick, but put him with someone who's defensively sound like Zub, and it really just made for a really surprising pair. Yeah, I think that's always been the thing with Derek Branstrom is, is can he get the opportunity? Can he earn himself a role with the, the Sens that isn't, like you said, tied to Travis Hamnick? And DJ Smith has been vocal about not being his biggest fan, and because of yeah. the injuries and stuff, he was kind of forced into playing him with, with a guy like Zub. And like you said, they looked fantastic tonight. Maybe this is a pair you kind of keep going forward a little bit, at least while they're dealing with, with injuries and, and see what you can get out of them. And and at worst, you end up boosting Branson's trade stock. And he's a guy that has been rumored to be on the way out or at least being in discussions on the way out. Maybe this is kind of where you either find out whether you want to keep him long term or end up moving him with his stock at an all-time high, getting to play with a guy like Zub and, and boosting his drafts or boosting his uh, trade stock. So it's going to be interesting because he's a guy that I've always really, really liked. He's a guy that has all sorts of skill, can move the puck so effectively. He was a guy that last year and, and even the year before with the Sens, I was like, man, I just wish they would give him more ice time. And when he when he's given the ice time, when he's given the opportunity, you see him do it. And especially when he is a, a functional partner beside him. Absolutely. And yeah, just like, and actually a really good point on potentially increasing his trade value because the countdown is still on until Shane Pinto being able to return to the team. And, and if he's going to be on the team, someone has to go. It's not going to be Matthew Joseph anymore. No. So that's, that's true. You know what? I don't know. I mean, does anyone take Kubalik? Because th- this game, especially, I think his stock went down even more with that, that bonehead penalty that goalie interference penalty to end the first, and then New York immediately back in the game, scoring on that power play early in the second, right? So um, I don't know if there are any takers on Kubelik without retention and at that and at that point, like even What's retaining anything, like well, yeah, what do you how do you fit Pinto into this lineup? Is he's got about what six ish weeks or so until he's yeah. eligible to come back, just a little over that. So I I mean, <laughs> hey, market Kubelik is a fighter because he he did it in this game as uh, weird <laughs> as that was to see, right? So market him as a bottom six fighter that can, he can chip in a goal or two here or there. That's you know what, maybe worth a shot. Maybe <laughs> maybe worth a shot. Um, yeah, and actually on the flip side of of Kubelik's stock going down, uh, Tarasenko as far as yeah. newcomers to Ottawa this season. Uh, Tarasenko with a two goal game, obviously one being an empty netter. That's okay. That's just a little, little footnote on that one. But yeah, uh, broke his, uh, this was a 14 game, uh, goalless streak. And I mean, I think it's amazing what, ha- not to like throw any shade here, but it's, it's amazing what you can do as a sniper when your center isn't work Chartier. Um, yeah. he honestly, like if, if Tim Stutzla isn't playing with Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux, it feels like a no-brainer for him to be playing with Vlad Tarasenko every night, right? 
Yeah, I mean, Vlad Tarasenko has always been that elite passenger that needs somebody to pass him the puck. And in his younger days, he was able to create a little bit more for himself. But he's not that guy anymore. He's he's still got a great shot. He's got the unreal release. But you need to play him with a playmaker. And a guy like Tim Stuchel just pushes the pace so much. The speed and skill that that guy has. And the ability to not only be that playmaker that he needs, but also be a shooting threat and, and be someone that keeps goalies honest and keeps defenders honest. And the speed that he has also draws people away. That way, Tarasenko can kind of get lost in the background and then pop into a spot. And Stutzel is going to put the pass on his stick, and that's where Tarasenko can bury it. So, like you said, it's nice for him to get off to Schneid. 14, goal, 14 games, he gets two in this one. We're not going to talk about the second one being an empty netter, but regardless, he's at three-point night for him. Uh, big game, big third goal for the Ottawa Senators when I think early in that second period, like you said, New York scores, Panarin gets on the board, and, and you go, oh, no, is this is this where the collapse starts? Is yeah. this where New York yeah. starts to get back in this game? And Tarasenko goes and puts one in the net. And then Keandre Miller scores a little bit later, and then Batherson gets another one on the board. And it was, it, it was a good sign of resilience, something that we haven't really seen from the Sens all too much, at least on the scoreboard. Every time it seems that the Sens get out of a game, things break out into a brawl and the Sens go crazy. And they do what the Sens do, led by Captain Chaos, Brady Kachuk. But yeah. this game, it seemed like they had things handled a little bit better and they, they kept themselves under control, let Kubelik do the fighting for them and, and kept scoring. And, and that was the, the, a big thing to see this in this game. And at the end of the day, I think we talked about it before, the, before we jumped on here is this is the Sens we've been waiting to see all year. Absolutely. It, honestly, it's like halfway through the game. I, I, I was like, I wonder why the NHL let the Rangers and Sens switch jerseys for a night. It was weird. <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't believe how. Just, I don't know what happened. Um, this game should not have ended up this way. But you're absolutely right. The rest of the season felt like this is exactly what Sens fans have been waiting to see all season. And yes, they they are 500. They're 10 and 10. It's been what feels like should it should be an even split on the season, but like even those a bunch of those wins didn't feel not not just not dominant, but it didn't feel like they didn't earn them at all. So to see such a huge decisive victory over, I don't know about unanimously the strongest team right now, but without a doubt, like one of the hottest at the moment. Like it's it's pretty incredible to see. Um, I I'm I'm shocked. I honest, honestly, call me a bad fan, whatever. I've been called a bad fan plenty of times this season. Uh, I'm shocked, truly. Yeah, it, I, I wasn't expecting this when I when you reached out and asked me to come on. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do the Rangers game. Like, that'll be a game where there's lots of scoring and we'll have lots to talk about. And, and then we can kind of dive into prospects and whatnot. And we don't have to worry about the game all that much. But, man, this was a game that I, I feel like there's so many things to talk about, whether it's Tarasenko's goal scoring. Uh, coming back, Batherson coming up clutch a couple of times, Brady be doing what he's done, Stutzel just being out there dancing, and then the defense. like They're dealing with injuries back there. I thought Sanderson was really good in this game. Uh, like you said, Ridley Gregg's return. There's so many things from this game that we can talk about, and it, it, it's nice to see uh, the Sens not have to focus on the future for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about before we get – we're going to get into a lot of prospect talk here i, I didn't also notice someone in the chat mentioned uh put kubalik with the prospect for for a potential trade we're going to be talking a lot about prospects coming up uh soon in this episode but one thing i wanted to highlight before we move on from the game zach McEwen. uh he played two minutes and 38 seconds through the first two periods didn't play a second in the third period uh i don't remember his exact ice time against seattle on saturday it wasn't much more than this why it's a... <laughs> why is he dressed if i don't i truly i i i'm i'm at a i mean i was at a loss with with the term on a three-year contract for zach McEwen, but to i don't know i don't know is this just i don't know is is it a something between dj smith and management i mean who who are you trying to prove a point to the guy who signed him isn't here anymore so just don't dress him. I don't know. I'm 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 so confused by this completely. It's, uh, it, it's something Ontario teams love doing: dressing a, a big, brutish fourth liner and and then playing them two minutes a game. Uh, Toronto's doing it with Reeves. Ottawa's doing it with yeah. McEwen. Mm-hmm. 
at, at the end of the day, you look at it and I think any rational hockey fan, any, at the end of the day, any rational hockey coach and management staff would go, that's eh, kind of a waste of a roster spot on the night. And you you want you want somebody to be physical. You want somebody to go out there and fight. I don't think the Ottawa Senators are lacking those guys. We we talked about Brady Kachuk doing it. We talked about other guys doing it. And even Dominic Kubli got into the the fray today. Yeah, I don't think you need a, a Zach McEwen on the back uh, on the back of your lineup to come in and and do whatever you want him to do physically because you have other guys. I, it's not like the Leafs where you've got a lot of soft skill up front. You've got the hard skill. You've got the physicality find another player to fit and play in that role and, and get some production out of them. Get them, get some meaningful minutes. I mean, just get some minutes out of somebody at the end of the day, because yeah. two, two minutes, and 38 seconds isn't, uh, it's not really helping anyone do anything. Yeah. It's, it's a head scratcher. Um, but yeah, with that, just like you said, there's so much we could talk about with this game. We could spend the whole show talking about this game. There's so much to go over, but I, I want to get into some prospect talk with you because the Ottawa Senators for a little bit there had one of the best prospect pools in the league. Now everyone's graduated to the NHL team and it's a weird angle to take after this fantastic game, but like the Sens aren't as good as they should be and the cupboards are empty. So, and okay. So I'm I'm trying to decide how I want to frame this because I could I'm going to frame it this I'm going to talk for a while, um and then this the the floor is yours after that. There's just so it's a very good thing that the 2020 draft uh, went the way that it did. Um for I mean past just the obvious thing of yeah your first round you get Tim Stutzla Jake Sanderson Ridley Gregg incredible phenomenal, um in the uh, second round. Uh, Roby Arventi, who didn't look so great in his call-up this season, but has looked good in Belleville for a little bit now. Uh, Tyler Clevin, who I still have high hopes for. I think he can be an everyday NHL defenseman eventually. I don't think it's going to be above your third pair, but I think he's he's a legitimate, like, shot, has a legitimate shot of being a full-time NHLer. And then Igor Sokolov, also in the second round, who leads Belleville in all-time scoring, which is something. There, there's something there. Um, and then as far as the third round goes, Levi Marilainen, who hasn't looked fantastic in his small sample sizes through playing in North America, but it's important to note that last season he played, let me just double check this so I'm for sure right, uh, 42 games uh, in uh, in the top finish league at 20 years old and had a 917 save percentage, good for fifth in the league. So there's something there for sure. The good news kind of ends there because I, I really only want to focus on the first three rounds. Otherwise, we'd be here like forever. Um, Twenty the, the, the previous three drafts have not gone that way whatsoever. Uh, 2021, Tyler Boucher being a top 10 pick. Say what you will about that. Um, he also just he, he like at best it's disappointing at worst uh he's missing like he hasn't skated since the summer no one knows what his injury is that's kept him out of playing for Belleville entirely um just he's just he's just missing I don't know what's going on there no one seems to um second round Zach uh, a stop Chuck looks good I think that's a solid pick um but then past that, 2021 second round pick, Ben Roger was released, never signed. He's gone. That's a second round pick, just gone. Uh, and then third round pick, Oliver Johansson. I mean, I think the Sens still have his rights. I'm not sure, but that's, you know, who knows? This one. That's a lottery ticket. It's too early to tell with a lot of these guys, especially with 22 and the 23 drafts. The important thing to note, though, 22, no first round pick. Didn't have a second round pick until the 31st, the second last pick of the second round. They had a pick. Then they had a third round pick 2023, no picks in the first three rounds. So all that to say, if they didn't hit on every first round pick in 2020, and it's looking like rounds two and three will work out fairly well. It's this would be a completely different team because they have no depth from later picks that usually most competing teams would need to fill out those depth spots on a roster. So I I would love I would just love to hear your take on number 1 because e even though the, the the core is young and locked up forever, 
this feels like it's going to be a problem very soon unless they really hit on their next few picks. It it feels like it's a problem already. And I think that's the concerning thing is, yes, you have Stutzla, you have Jake Sanderson, Ridley Gregg, even you, if you want to throw him in there. Um, you have a few other guys. Shane Pinto looks fantastic uh, when he's in the lineup. Brady Kachuk obviously has been great from the 2018 draft. But even going back, like I, I'm going back to the 2015 draft where, where Thomas Shabbat came in. And he was kind of the first guy that we kind of went, oh, maybe this is the start of the, the new era of the Senators. Well, Colin White's gone. Gabriel Gagne was nothing. And Philip Chilapic is gone as well. Christian Wallonian played a few games, but that's it. Uh, the depth has been an issue, but so is hitting outside of the top 10. And I think that's the big issue yeah. for the Sens is mm-hmm. Logan Brown just outside the top 10. Nothing. Jonathan Dolan, second round, nothing. Shane Bowers, first round, nothing. Alex Formanson played some games, but obviously there's other things going on there, and he's over in, in Europe playing right now. Then you get to the Brady Kachuk draft, Bernard Docker and Dar- Johnny Tychonic. You got maybe half an NHL out of those two guys. Yeah, uh, uh, Jacob yeah. Bernard Docker's a uh, third pair at best, and it's he seems to be struggling to solidify that spot. Lassie Thompson's been ping-ponging back and forth on waivers between Anaheim and Ottawa since the preseason. Uh, and, and Shane Pinto and Mad Sogard are second-round picks that year. So you got a couple guys there. But like you said, the depth just really has been a struggle. Stoops, Lewis Anderson, top five picks. If you're not nailing your top five picks, you're probably having a big issue, especially yeah. in, in that draft class where it kind of fell perfectly for them. Lafreniere and Byfield, I mean, Byfield looks fantastic this year. Lafreniere is still figuring it out and starting to look better. But Lafreniere and Byfield solidified themselves at the top of that draft board. And I think everyone was pretty solidly taking those two guys first and second overall. Stutzler goes three. You got a choice between Lucas Raymond or or Jake Sanderson or Jamie Drysdale. Detroit takes the winger. You get your choice between defensemen. Ottawa loves taking the U.S. guys, guys going to college, Nodak Saints. I mean, the Nodak sends for a little while. Yeah. You take Jake Sanderson. You, you nail those that, those two picks. Ridley Gregg screamed Ottawa Senators the day he was picked, and he's been exactly as as advertised. But then you start to fall off on depth-wise. Like you said, that 2020 draft, you've got a couple other guys like Tyler Clevin, who I think can be an everyday third-pairing NHLer. If you play him in sheltered minutes and ask him not to do too much, he's going to get some highlight real hits. He's going to be a crowd favorite. He's going to be a guy that can play on your bottom pair if if he's your number six guy. But you're going to need someone to move the puck a little bit for him. Like The problem with a lot of the guys that I think the Senators have drafted over the last few years is they've settled for getting a guy rather than take the chance and going for an impact guy. And when you settle for taking a guy so many times, not every guy hits. So when you're yeah. when you're drafting third liners, if they don't reach the third line, well, there's no chance that they fall back and, and become a third liner. The, the reality is if they don't reach the third line, they're going to produce at the AHL level. Maybe they're going to be ECHL guys. Maybe like Ben Roger, they end up nowhere. So the question that I, I've had for the Senators draft the last few years is, why not take the chance? Why not draft the guy that's a little bit higher upside the way they did when they looked at a Tim Stutzla, the way they did when when they look at a Jake Sanderson? I think everyone was looking at Jake Sanderson versus Jamie Drysdale, and a lot of people had Drysdale ahead of them. But they went with the guy that had the more projectable tools. They went with the guy that that had a little bit more upside. I think everyone thought Jamie Drysdale was this surefire offensive guy that could be this power play quarterback, and, and you'd live with the defensive deficiencies, whereas Jake Sanderson was this raw upside pick where yeah he's going to probably be pretty good defensively but where is that offense going to come in and they they got really lucky i think with that pick as well so you look at so many of these other guys we talked about tyler boucher at that 10th if you wanted that that type of player cole sillinger went a couple picks later i think the very next pick because arizona's pick was vacated that year so cole sillinger went and he's a physical number, like top top six center style guy with a big shot and needs to work on his playmaking. A lot of those things sound like what Tyler Boucher was coming out of the draft without the injury issues, without the speed issues, without the skating issues. And that's where I think you're starting to fall apart with the Sens is their depth is just lacking that 
upside. When you draft a guy for the first line, say you do draft a Cole Sillinger, you go, this guy's going to be a first liner for us. This guy's going to play our, be our number one center of the future, yada, yada, yada. He'll fall into number two center behind Tim Stutzla. Well, he doesn't make that. He doesn't become that guy. Then he becomes a really good third line center. And you get the guy that you drafted when you drafted Tyler Boucher. And for me, it was just about if you're drafting first liners, there's a chance they fall back and become third liners. If you're drafting third liners, the fallback is off the roster and then they become unproductive for you. So I think the philosophy of the Sens the last few years has been a little bit flawed. Now, with that said, very new management staff, new ownership, new basically everything. Um, it, it's going to be really good for the Sens, I think. I think with with Ann Lauer coming in, Tulio in the ownership group, they like to have teams that play a little bit more skill, play a little bit faster, and they're going to hire people to do that. Steve Steos is in there now. He's going to hire a GM or become the GM, whatever the situation there ends up becoming, and they're going to get guys that play faster. And, and you're going to start to see more Tim Stutzlas and less Brady Kachucks because at the end of the day, Brady Kachuk was the unicorn. Brady Kachuk was yep. the guy that they drafted, and everyone went, I don't know if that off- offensive upside's there, and then he hit. And you're not going to have that hit every time. You're probably not going to have that hit ever again, really, on a player like that. So you got really lucky. You got super, super lucky with a Brady Kachuk, who's become mm-hmm. your captain when you're the, the best players of this generation of the Senators. Don't try to repeat that process. Don't try to try to find another miracle. Follow the process, get the skill guys, build out that roster, and and let the the exterior pieces kind of working around them, right? It's it, it's just tough to see watch sometimes when you're like, man, the the guys that they drafted outside of those those first rounds, the second, third rounds, like you said, you need to hit on those. Every team has them. Tampa's got Kucherov and Point. I mean, every team seems to have those guys that came from the second, third, fourth round that are impact players or stars for their team. Ottawa doesn't really have that. And despite the high-end skill they got in that 2020 draft, they still need a lot to to fix around them. Yeah, not to not to write off Tyler Boucher entirely. No, and that's just it. But more or less the Sens haven't had a first round pick since 2020. You know yep. what I mean? Like it, it that's just kind of how it and at some point in the next 3 years they won't have one again. So uh, another thing to consider too, with you know the league taking away a first round pick, um, which you know is up to the Sens when that happens, um, unless things really turn around this year, probably not this season. Even if the Sens do well, make the playoffs, and it's like a twenty something overall, like do you play the odds and just be like, we really need something now, and risk having to give up a higher? I don't, I don't know what. The, I'm not smart enough to have a strategy with that um it's just terrifying to think that you could go three years in a row actually like legitimately three years in a row if they were to give up this one without a first round pick like that's that's awful it it really is and like you said they have the the opportunity to kind of choose when that pick happens but this year's draft isn't that great unless you're getting that top pick maybe you do decide to just give it up get it out of the way but like you said they haven't really had a top top round pick in a while like you don't want to write off Tyler Boucher. He still has, he's been injured all year. He hasn't played. He still has the time to get back into the lineup and and figure it out over the next few years. Uh, It wouldn't be the first time it took a guy four or five years to get to the NHL level and solidify his game. Mm -hmm. But to the point I was making earlier, Tyler Boucher over the last, since he was drafted has played seven, 60 something games, 60 odd games. And a guy like Cole Sillinger has played 167 NHL games. Yeah. Again, it's hindsight, but it's just those little decisions that went into being a a completely different roster than what you could have been. And like I said, Tyler Boucher has room. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to me where, when the Sens decide to give up that pick, because like you said, they're not really at the top of the standings this year. If they make the playoffs this year, give it up, take that, take the loss this year and deal with it. But if they, if they end up missing out, maybe you, you give it up still, even if if you're, unless you're going to be in that lottery, if you're one of those like 14, 15 teams, just give it up and get it over with. But 
it's going to be tough because like you said, they they're missing quite a bit in that prospect pool. And the guys that they have on the roster are great. They just don't have much coming, which is unfortunate at the moment. Yeah. And, and another thing to consider is they do have another first round pick this year, 99% chance. It's going to be Boston's because when you trade Alex to you got to make sure that there's a condition in the deal where it's the worst of worst of two picks. So anyway, um, so the Sens might end up with pick like, I mean, Boston could very well win the cup. Who knows? But it, it, it's entirely possible Ottawa goes into this draft with picks, I don't know, 15 and 28. And then they go, well, we don't love this draft class. Like you said, maybe they just get it over with. And then they still they go, well, we still have pick 28. We can just roll with that and call it a call it a wash. I don't know. It's such a weird situation. Um, is there is there anyone currently in the Sens and anywhere in the organization yet to make the team that you have? I won't even say that you're like excited about because it, it's it's bare. It is bare. Is there anyone that you think has a legitimate shot, more likely than not to be, e- even just a third line? third pair even just anyone that you think can be making an impact inside what should be this t- granted the teams would should be starting now but in the next you know four or five years that this team should be competing for a playoff spot every year Boyd stanley the guy the, the most recent draft pick the the fourth rounder he's a really raw prospect he's going to cornell i think he's he's got some potential He's got to round a lot of things out. I think the college route is a good route for him. Um, and, and I think that's the nice thing about the Sens. I will give them credit for that is they've really embraced using the college system to help develop their players. And they're getting a lot of pros out of it. Do they get high-end pros? Maybe not necessarily for the most part. But they're getting guys that are coming into the NHL ready to play and, and play professional hockey and play a, a sound system hockey and and not really worry about getting them to play the right way, essentially. I think Hoyt Stanley could be an interesting one. But then you start looking up and down the, the prospect pool. Tyler Boucher, I still have some faith, is going to be an NHLer. Is he a, a guy that can score 15 goals, 20 goals at the NHL level? I don't know if he's going to ever be that. But can he be a third, fourth-line guy that can kind of bang and mash and, and create some havoc and, and be the – the Chris Neal of this generation, maybe that there's a possibility there. Um, Stephen Halliday is a, a skilled center that can kind of do a few things, but the problem is there's so many maybes. Um, if you're looking for a, a surefire thing, Tyler Clevin, like I, I wasn't the most thrilled about that pick. I think you look at that pick and where it came from in the trade with Toronto, and it kind of exemplified both Toronto and uh, Ottawa's drafting philosophy at the time Toronto traded the pick to Ottawa to get two other picks a little bit later in the draft. And they drafted Toby Nimla and uh, Ronnie Hervinen, two players who I think are very good prospects. Ronnie Hervinen has the upside of being a third line center. Toby Nimla can be a puck moving bottom four defenseman, interesting players that have upside, but there's definitely holes in their game and they need to build them up in the AHL over a couple of years and see what they can be. And now both are kind of, not necessarily pushing the NHL roster, but they're there. You can see a future for them on the NHL roster. Tyler Clevin is the guy that they went, that guy's going to play NHL games. I'm not worried about whether or not he plays NHL games. I'm also not worried about how high in the lineup he plays. I think that was the, the thing. The Sens got the surefire NHL in that deal, I think, despite the fact that you're talking about draft picks at the time. But Ottawa or Toronto got the higher upside players. And like I said earlier about the philosophies, I think that just exemplified it. Ottawa wanted mm-hmm. the guy, their guy that was going to be a guy. Toronto wanted a couple of guys that were going to be possibly low impact impact players, even if it is just low impact players. So I, I think it's an interesting kind of conundrum that they put themselves in with that trade. But at the same time, I think Tyler Clevin's going to play NHL games. He's going to hit a bunch of guys, crush dudes. And every once in a while, he... 
I don't know. I can't think of a, a specific defenseman that does this all the time, but every once in a while he'll go and he'll just do some sort of crazy flashy end to end offensive play. And you're like, where, where did that come from? I think uh, Toronto fans probably and Detroit fans now have seen Justin Hall do it a couple times where you're just like, you don't do this. Why, why now? Yeah. Why, why did you decide to do that now? Um, Ilya Labushkin out in Arizona does this once in a while. It's a, it's just like you have the skill or you have the skating. Sorry. You don't necessarily have the skill, but every once in a while, it's like you chug the Gatorade on the bench and decided I'm, I'm going, I'm doing it. And, and they channel their inner Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. And for one play, they look absolutely fantastic. And, and then they turn back into the pumpkin and, and they're a, a defensive defenseman again. So can Tyler Clevin become that guy that provides the odd highlight, throws a bunch of hits. Yeah, I, I think he can. It's just again the upside of the the prospect pool is a uh, little questionable. Yeah, um, and I I completely agree with you that uh, when he initially came up, uh, your point about how he's going to need someone to because he's not like you said he's not going to be making those great end to end plays more than once every dozen games, and I say that like <laughs> probably you know um, <laughs> that's maybe a bit high, uh, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I as soon as I'd seen him come up last season, I thought this is the guy for Branstrom. Mm-hmm. But by the time he makes the NHL full time, I'm not convinced Branstrom will still be on the team. So still have to see how that all goes. But I'm I'm glad to know that I'm not out of my mind for thinking that Tyler Clevin is maybe not a surefire third pairing guy, but like I'd I'd I, I think it's a really fair shot. So that's good to know. Um, maybe not so great that you know the Sens have one likely <laughs> full time NHLer in the system right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's like we talked about earlier. The the, the lack of depth that they've been able to draft and, and even just acquire in trades. It's been a bit concerning, a bit confusing. This isn't a team that is completely dumb when it comes to players I, they drafted Stutzlover, Raymond and, and Sanderson and, and they drafted Sanderson over uh, over Drysdale they they've made some good picks it, it just feels like a lot of times it was the obvious picks that they made smart picks on they didn't overthink those and then later in the draft they they kind of just went and got guys uh this year's draft like you said they could have let's say the the 13th and the 28th pick with with Boston's and and maybe they keep them this year and then go ah we we give up next year's because we had two first rounders this year and we can kind of hopefully that one of those guys develops a little faster and and we can kind of mitigate that pick next year and especially after not having one the last couple years it's going to be interesting but this year's draft has a lot of I don't even know how to describe this year's draft because Macklin Celebrini is fantastic. And then there's a lot of guys that interest me, but n- not many that I'm falling in love with. Uh, last year's draft, we were spoiled. I think we we had four guys that probably could have been first overall picks um, in Connor Bedard, obviously Fantilli, Carlson, and even Mitchkov. I think you had a few guys that could have been really high end picks. Uh, and this year, I, I always go back to this exercise I've done a million times over the last few years in the draft. And where would I put the guy, the, the top three of this year's draft in last year's draft. And I look at Celebrini and I go fifth or sixth. He's probably going around where will, will Smith went maybe a little wow. later. Um, and, and I love Macklin Celebrini. I think he's a legitimate first overall caliber guy. And then Cole Iserman, Ivan Demidov, they're kind of further down. I think it's, it's, not the greatest draft, but there's a, it's a draft that I think fills holes for teams. Unfortunately, Ottawa needs a guy that does a little bit more than fills a hole. So it's going to be interesting because, yeah, like I said, this this draft is a, a weird one because there's a lot of role players and not line drivers, I think. Not to put you on the spot, if you had to say uh, 
compared to this draft, what's the what's the last year that you had gone into a draft? Kind of like how how far back do you have to go to find a draft class that you were as like kind of not not necessarily low on, but more like there's a lot of like low ceiling, high floor kind of guys up front in a draft. Like how how far like would you say that this is? I don't know how the right way to frame this is. This is the weakest draft since X year, or like this is the weakest draft with like upfront talent since I don't know how, whatever the fairer way to put it is. Uh, the the draft I've been the most meh on since uh, before this draft was probably 2021, to be honest. The Owen Power draft. Yeah. Um, I, I just, like I said, like that draft, Owen Power is a really, really good prospect. Is he ever going to be a true number one stud defenseman? I don't know. And he was the first overall pick. Is Matty Veneers ever going to be more than a a really really good low end number two n- number one center? I don't know. I I, I love Matty Veneers. I think he was my top rated guy that year. But that was a draft that I had Fabian Lysel in the top ten. I had a guy like William Eklund really high. Like there was a lot of a lot of players in that twenty twenty one draft that was mm-hmm. that were. Yes, they bring this, but also here's a bunch of questions, and and that's kind of where I'm at with this year's draft. I think it's a a, a little bit of a, a, a go grab the guy that's going to fit your system draft. And unfortunately for Ottawa, the, in recent years, that that guy's been a third liner. Um, but like I said, new management, new ownership, new direction. Uh, hopefully, they can look at this draft class and go. Let's get the Zeev Boyum who's falling, who's a, a an all-around do-everything defenseman that has some offensive upside, skates extremely well. If he falls to 15 or 13, wherever they're at, that's a, that's a really, really good pick, I think. Uh, let, let's go grab a guy like like Tijaginla, who's, who's Jerome Aginla's son, um, a really, really high-end player who isn't playing in the best system. He isn't playing with the best team, so... I think a lot of people are looking at him and his goal scoring totals and they're going, ah, just like his dad, just a goal scorer. Now this kid's a really, really good playmaker. It's just really unfortunate when he passes the puck to people right on their tape and they bobble it or they fire it into the netting or do silly things with it. There's guys in this draft. This isn't a a terrible draft. Just like 2021 wasn't a terrible draft. It's just going to be about identifying the guys that are playing in a weak system or, or not really finding or, 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 a guy like Adam Juracek, really, really good defenseman, has all the tools, shows these flashes of brilliance, but playing in the men's check league, he's so many times just survive, just trying to survive, just trying to keep his head above water for that in that league that so many times you're seeing him make the simple play, but then every once in a while he flashes this brilliance and you're like, man, that's that might be a little bit higher end than his brother, even if he lacks the physical strength that his brother had at the same age where he was able to kind of push guys around and beat guys up and do a little bit more. Adam, your a little bit smaller, a little bit more slender, a little bit more leaning towards that offensive game. Can he be the guy or there's a lot of guys that you have to just try to find the guy that's in the system or in the, on a team that doesn't have the playmakers to go with them or, or whatever it may be for all these various prospects. But I think it's going to be a, a, a sneaky good year, just like 2021 was in terms of producing NHL talent. It's just going to be about finding those guys, like I said. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, not, not a bad draft class, but maybe one where there are more teams drafting for need rather than best mm-hmm. player available type of situation. Yeah. it's. I, I look at this draft and I go, you're going to see what teams value in this draft. Uh, are they going to draft a guy because like Cole Eiserman, because they, they just need there. They want that guy that has that unreal shot, even though he has a bunch of other holes in his game and he doesn't really drive play. Um, are they going to go and draft a guy like Ivan Demidov, who's just off the wall, balls to the wall, crazy skilled, high end octane offensive guy, but sometimes in the defensive zone, He's not in the picture. <laughs> it's a, there's there's a bunch of different things with with the guys in this draft class. Uh, are they going to draft Sam Dickinson because he's that good Canadian kid, the smart, the, the solid defensive guy that has these this potential offensively? I don't know. Do they go for an Anton Siliev who's produced a ton of points early in the season but has fallen off a bit because a lot of those points were coming off uh, throwing the puck on net and hoping for good things to happen, and they did early on. Um it's going to be interesting because teams are going to see kind of reveal exactly what they value in this year's draft. I think it's really, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting point. And um, 
yeah, also for the record, for everyone listening, uh, I know we both were saying Ottawa's pick would be before in the in the top uh in the top 16 it is possible they make the playoffs i think we're both just trying to be a little <laughs> bit realistic yeah also the sense having to pick what year to lose a pick in a in a year that they have you know a better pick it, it makes for more interesting storyline at this point as upsetting as that would be for for myself and any other sense fan it just makes for a more interesting uh interesting look um yeah and and the other thing too is with that is like you like you said being realistic you look at the standings they're currently eighth in division which okay like they have room to go grow like they're they played the least games in the division um but toronto's the team that's currently in the fourth spot and they played 22 games it's played the second least games so you look around toronto and, and florida's played 24 tampa's played 26 they're already seven points back at Tampa. They're already 10 points back at Florida. They're 11 points back at Detroit, who was kind of in that same boat as you guys at the start of the year. They're going to have to go on a crazy hot streak to catch up yeah. because as early as it is, 10 points is still a big gap. And, and these other teams aren't just going to stop winning either. So it, it, it's going to be tough to get back into it. But the 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 good thing is like the Sens are still fun team when they play like they did tonight. I think that's the 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 good part about it. And if they do end up being competitive towards the end of the year and they get back into the race and they they start to fight for that that second wild card or the first wild card spot or even the third division spot, they they have the talent to do it. They have the the defensive core to do it. I think you, you they just need to kind of figure out how to play together, play like they did tonight. And I know that, that everyone keeps saying there's not going to be a coaching change, but who knows? Maybe there's a coaching change that uh, inspires the guys to go on a five-game run right afterwards. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no reason to believe that they can, but if they win <laughs> five or six of the seven games they have in hand on most of the league, it's a completely different look. But yeah, like you said, the not even just the Atlantic. The Atlantic obviously is insane. I mean, everyone knew coming into the season the Atlantic would be nuts, but the East Eastern Conference in general yeah. is so tough. It's so tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, even in a season where they only played like what eight, nine games, even in November, it still feels like the month of November has sewered the team before they ever really had a shot. So, um, I don't know. Maybe December is going to be a big <laughs> turnaround. Uh, it's gone fairly all right so far. Uh, two and one in the month of December with. Still another uh, 12 games to go this month and another 15 games in January. So it's going to be a lot of Sens hockey over the next couple of months. Um, tough schedule, though. Mostly, mostly good teams for the next couple of weeks. So that's going to be tricky. But on the subject of the draft, um, I want to get your input on this because it was announced today that the 2024 draft is going to be uh, uh, taking place at the Sphere in Vegas. Uh, and it's going to be the last one before the league plans on making the draft uh, decentralized. And I don't think we know yet whether that means it's just going to be like, like it could still be in person. It just means that every team won't have 20 guys go on stage every time they make a pick, or maybe it'll just be complete. We, we don't really know what it's going to be yet, but it would be weird for them to pick this absolutely insane venue. And then the next year going, all right, we're cool with zoom now. Like it's going to, it must yeah. still be taking place in person. You'd think after this, but I, I would love to hear how you feel about the, uh, the draft taking place at just one of the most ridiculous venues ever made. Yeah. The, the, the human mind can come up with crazy things and the Vegas sphere is certainly one of them. Um, I'm excited because at the end of the day, I'm probably going to be at the draft. I'm uh, assuming nothing changes. Um, and, and it's going to be a spectacle. I think that it's going to be really fun. Um, my worry is that the NHL does what the NHL does and they stay boring. And on the outside of the sphere, they just have like a rotating NHL logo that bounces around like the the screensaver that you, you just wait to hit the corner. And because it's a sphere, it never hits the corner. I'm, um, I'm going to save this clip and you're going to be right. I, I, uh, it's going to be so just, painful. Oh, but yeah. no, like I, I, I'm super excited for it because I mean, that first overall pick goes and the Ottawa Senators draft Macklin Celebrini. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, but whoever does end up drafting Celebrini first or whoever at, at the end of the day, all these kids that are going to be drafted, Iserman, uh, Demidov, Sam Dickinson, the the highlights that they'll be able to show on the inside of that sphere will be so fun to watch because you're just going to get to see it from, from floor to ceiling and it's going to be yeah. such a, a, a unique experience 
Um, every once in a while, the NHL finds a way to do something that no other league has done and do it. And while they don't always take full advantage of it, they're able to be, be able to say, Hey, we're the first to do the draft at the sphere. We're the first to be able to do some big event at the sphere. And it's going to be really fun. I think, I think, I mean, Vegas is a party town. It's going to be, uh, interesting to see how many, uh, general managers and scouts and and media members are going to go and, uh, make, make it worth while having the last centralized uh, draft in, in one place because i mean I'll, I'll tell you this in nashville it was it was fun to see guys uh certain gms certain scouts certain people in, in in various teams looking a little rougher on day two than they did on day one and uh just trying to get through that day and, and that was nashville nashville's a fun city it was a great time being there but vegas is a different animal uh vegas with the sphere is a different animal it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited. But like you said, I feel like you do this and then you go to decentralized draft. They're still going to do something like I, my mind's my mind. I look at it and I go, the NFL draft is such a fun event as it is. Um, you get the war rooms and that's really the only difference. You still have media. You still have all the players. You still have everyone going to the draft. Um, it's just not 45 people up on stage, six random kids and, and thanking, both Vegas and the the Ottawa Senators, the Stanley Cup champions, and everyone else that uh, that are there, and it, it's going to be interesting to be able to see. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Gary or whoever it is um, announce the picks and and just kind of get that thing moving a little bit because the way the NFL does their draft, I think, in my opinion, is the best draft in in sports outside of the NHL. And if you're going to take away the centralization of the draft and the, the cool factor of being able to see the GMs and the coaches and interact with the kids right away, go the NFL way, do do it the way the NFL does it, make it fun. Um, have sections of fans cheering. I think that could be a really fun thing to do. Um, I mean, every year when the Browns pick a new quarterback, they, the, the fans boo. And every year when the Patriots pick some random guy you've never heard of and he becomes a superstar, it, it's fun to watch. So I think, the NFL draft is the way to go if you're going to do it, but you got to focus on the fans. You got to pump up, pump these little sections of fans throughout the thing and rotate the the fan group that's up next at to the front of the draft stage. Get get guys involved. Get get the the players involved. It, how much fun would it be to see a guy get drafted third overall or second over wherever he gets drafted and walk right by the the fan group of the the team he was just drafted to and just high fiving people and signing things on the way to the draft floor. Um, I mean, we're not going to get the, the Roger Goodell handshakes the way that the NFL does it, but I mean, I would love to see somebody try to dap up Gary Batman or like hug that guy (laughs) just in general. I think it'd be so much fun. So while decentralization sucks for a lot of ways, they have an opportunity to do something good with the NHL draft here. And, uh, Vegas is a pretty good way to go out if you're going to end it on this one. Yeah, it would be very NHL to be like, look at this great place that we booked for this draft and then just not take advantage of it at all. Like, they're just going to use a section of the screen. Like, they're just going to be like, you know. um, (laughs) We couldn't afford the whole screen. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and yeah, as far as the draft goes, just, you know, as far as decentralizing it, just somewhere, somewhere in between where the NHL is currently and the MLB draft because it's it's awful. It's the MLB yeah. draft is terrible. Just somewhere, somewhere in between, I'm I'm all right with. I just don't want, yeah, uh, like the MLB draft. Like they don't even have all the first rounders in the building. I don't want Bettman coming out just being like announcing every pick himself and then just being like, oh, this guy's not here either. All right, it's just I don't know. I the whole decentralization thing scares me. Um. Because yeah. I mean, granted, like I think it scares me, and it scares. I mean, obviously, I mean, the draft is is like this is this is your thing, right? Like this is this is what you're the most passionate about, and just and I'm part of that weird diehard section of the fans who watch. Like I don't know what the percentages on number of like sports fans who watch <laughs> the drafts. Um, it can't be very high. So, um. I understand why they're like, this would be so much easier and we're going to piss off maybe 10% of the fan base. You know what I mean? So like, I, I want to be hopeful, but like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to have a whole lot of faith in decisions made by the NHL. 
And that's the problem, right? Is this could be a really fun thing. They could do some interesting things moving forward. Um, like I said, the fans could be a focus. There's a, a bunch of different things, but there is also the likelihood that it becomes the MLB draft, which as you mentioned is terrible. Um, i I'm a big sports fan. I, I follow the NFL. I follow the NBA, I follow and MLB. Um, there's only one of those drafts that I don't watch and it's the MLB. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't know all the college basketball players. I, I don't follow that enough. I I I follow my team. I follow the league, um, but the college ranks I, I just don't have time for. So, despite that, when the NBA draft comes up, they still find a way to make me go, "Oh, that was a great pick," or "Oh, what a dumb pick." And they do a really good job of that. The NFL, I, I do follow college football a little bit more, especially towards the end of the year, and I read all the rankings and I read all the stuff, and I don't have a good opinion but i have an opinion and then when the guys get picked and and my ravens choose some random tiny wide receiver i go oh no it's gonna be hollywood brown all over again and then he's a contender for the rookie of the year and i'm like oh that was a great pick i knew it was a great <laughs> pick it, it it's fun to watch it's, it's fun to be engaged with that so if they go those routes with the nba or the nfl is gone they can have success the nhl draft has always been special because it has been centralized they have had everyone there but I think over the last few years, especially, they, they saw how much money they could save during COVID when they did it over Zoom. And they went, hmm, we're the NHL. We want to save a few bucks. But over the last couple of years, when they have had it live and in person, it's almost like teams have milked the experience a little bit too much. And it's slowed down even slower than it has been in years before COVID and years before the pandemic. So I wish they could just kind of light a fire under you guys and and change it that way but they're not going to they're probably going to go to the, the decentralization i just hope they don't go the the way that uh the mlb has they follow the nfl nba because that way it can still be fun that way it can still be a fan event you can still thrill still throw a fan expo still have media in the, in the facility and in the building to to interview these guys to get to know them a little bit as they they start mm -hmm. to work their way towards the nhl and i think that's a really important thing completely agree um like listen as as little faith as i have in the nhl i don't think they're going to ruin the draft mm -hmm. um i don't know i i i have a tough time i have a tough time with it um <laughs> i love hockey so much and it, it 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 sucks when i'm like when i have no faith in uh or very little faith we'll say in uh in the league so I just think it's uh pretty crazy that they got that they got this fear. So fingers crossed, honestly, fingers crossed that that goes well because that could be, that could be incredible. Like it could if if it becomes the new permanent home for the draft, which unfortunately for fan bases around the league, I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go to a draft at some point. I don't think I'm going to fly to Vegas for it. Uh, I'd much rather jump in the car and drive to Toronto or Montreal if it wasn't going to be in Ottawa. So. But you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it would uh, make it an event. It would be an event it, for sure. It it really would be an event, and and if they do, I mean, the NBA drafts in New York every year. Um, the NFL draft rotates uh, every year, but they do a big hoopla. They throw a big show. Does, does the NHL go the NBA route and find a location, maybe the Sphere? However long that uh, James Dolan and company can figure out how to fund that thing. Um, do they make that the the permanent location? Do they just choose Vegas as a city and, and rotate different locations? It, it'll be interesting because, I mean, as some of the insiders said today, the Vegas sphere was very expensive for the NHL. So the NHL doesn't love spending money. Um, we'll see. I, I, I think they're still going to rotate cities and, and whatnot. And hopefully we do get one in Toronto or Ottawa or Montreal again. Montreal was a good time as well. If everyone, everyone that was there said that it was a fantastic draft, fantastic experience. So we'll see. It, it's going to be really, really interesting. All right. Well, I think, I think we'll just wrap it up there, man. This, this episode went a lot longer than I, than I initially planned it to but it was it was just such a solid conversation throughout so thank you so much for your time tony i really appreciate it um uh where can where can everyone find you or or your work uh you can find me on any social media platform x or instagram uh at the tony ferrari all my works at the hockey news uh my first draft ranking of the year i always wait till right before the world juniors it'll be out in a week and a half 
um, probably a top 50 uh, with full write-ups on every player. I do draft notebooks on on guys and and then tons and tons of world junior coverage. So make sure you you follow all of that because uh, Team USA looks fantastic and Team Canada, even with Jorian Donovan, may not be all that great. <laughs> what a name though, eh? Great name and a little great good on name. a jersey, hopefully. <laughs> on a, yeah, hopefully an NHL jersey at some point. Uh yeah, we won't. I'm not. I'm not going to dive right back into the whole uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sense of like two guys that might make it, but we can still cross our fingers for Jorian. Um, thanks again for joining the show, man. Really appreciate it. Love, love the insight. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Can't wait for the World Juniors. It's, it's, it's the best. No problem, buddy. Thanks for having me. Right, and for everyone watching at home, remember if you like the stream physically like the stream it helps i know it, it it sucks asking please like the stream it helps out a whole bunch subscribe to sdpn and if you're listening to this after the fact on spotify or apple music or wherever you enjoy listening to your spotify apple podcast whatever after the fact hey tune in live it's a lot of fun you're in the chat there's a bit of a back and forth it's a good time we didn't have time for the back and forth today but next time be more back and forth that was a bad example actually for the end of this episode either way <laughs> thanks again for tuning in and thank you again tony for being on the show and we'll uh i'm sure i'll be i'll be bugging you later on in uh in the season sounds good all right good night everybody